Welcome to another Vireal USA podcast. And this one, I've got uh, Rahul, I've got Robin, and I've got Zach. Um, this is Alan. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the transfer window that just that just closed. Um, Vireal is in the unusual position of having spent a bunch of money this this summer and even bought a center back. So um, I'm glad I'm sitting down when I'm saying those things. So um, Robin, I'll start with you. Uh, what sort of grade would you give us for our transfer window? I think it's probably been the best transfer window I've ever seen since we um, started with VRL. So I've been a VRL fan all those years ago. But to be honest, I think I think we've nailed it. We've got exactly what we wanted, exactly what we needed. I know people were slightly upset about not getting Zambo, but I think we've more than made up for that in terms of the signings that we we've got. Really, I, I've always been a massive fan of Pareko. Uh, Coquelin was a, a, a great signing. I think he still needs to prove himself quite a bit. But um, yeah, no, I think, and I'm really happy that we got the centre back. And I know all the years that I've known you, Alan, you've been begging for a centre back for years. So I'm, I can imagine you're ecstatic about that. Um, but yeah, um, I'm happy to see what other people think as well but uh, for me it's I couldn't think of a better transfer window really I think we've got everything and we've kind of shown every every other club in the world how to do it uh, yeah yeah okay Rahul yeah I think I agree with that I think the transfer window couldn't have gotten any better really I think it was a very well thought out window they identified the areas that needed to be strengthened and did it well whilst also not really having too big a net, net spend because the money from Carl Toko Akambi going to Lyon and Enes Unal going to uh, Getafe, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they've pretty much covered um, Estepinian's fee. And then to get someone as good as Parejo for free from your rivals is just phenomenal. Backup keepers sorted, um, very good left-back, first choice signed, promising centre-back for, I'd say the fee was for Juan Foyth is lower than it should be. Um, so yeah in terms of midfield strengthened defence strengthened um, there's genuine quality there there's experience there as well as young players coming in I don't see how Villarreal could have even had a better window than they've currently had Zach? Um, what, what I really like about the window is that we seemed to read everybody else's situation really well and I think to some degree we did this last January when we when we got Paco after Dortmund just got to the very end of the window and needed to dump him somewhere. And so we got him cheaper than he was being offered to other places earlier in the window. Um, and we kind of did the same thing. Uh, we kind of did the same thing this summer. So, you know, we, we read Valencia's situation when they were just starting to show cracks and we were uh, the first ones to jump in there and get really good deals on a couple of their players. Um, we, you know, I, Leeds had offered like $25 million for Foyt early in the window and then they spent that money somewhere else and we read that situation really well. And so then we got our buyout uh clause for him uh, our, our buy option for him to be much lower than that um you know estupinion we picked him up for relatively cheap while other clubs around the world were dropping huge sums on Sergi regulon and other left backs like that i think estupinion has looked like one of the best left backs in the league so far this season um so i'm very thrilled um the Kubo signing uh makes less and less sense to me each week uh, but that's kind of a topic unto itself Unless we're going to start playing him on the left, I'm still kind of scratching my head about that one a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I'm um, my feeling about that was that I think remember that was early in the window, and I think maybe we were thinking a few things might happen that didn't. I don't know, but it does seem that when we signed, I thought when we got Kubo, that was going to be a sign that. Um, somebody like Samu was probably going to be leaving. And I, I think that when the deal was announced, it was like, well, okay, that makes that might make some sense if you think you're going to lose um, somebody like Samu. But as it is, I mean, Kubo, um, yes, he'll get plenty of playing time in, in the Europa League and whatnot, but he's, 
you know, he's, he's young and he's got to, he's got to develop. And that's the one deal of the signing window that I'm less keen on. The one, frankly, that I was just over the moon about, um, yes, I was excited to get a center back, of course, because we've been, we've been um, working on the cheap so long with that. But the thing that I was really astonished by was Estepinion, because I thought he was probably, um, you know, one of the best center ba- uh, left backs in the league last year for Osasuna it was just very impressive. And the fact that we were able to sort of come in and, and pick him up without a lot of, um, I think early in the summer, really early in the summer, um, there was a brief mention of, oh yeah, Virial might be interested in Estepinion, but it didn't go anywhere. And then suddenly within, you know, it was like within two or three days of his name being mentioned, the deal was done. And I thought that was really, really terrific. Um, Senor Reich, I guess, um, gave an interview on one of the radio stations where he basically said, you know, we were in a position, sort of a unique position, because on the one hand, we don't have debt to deal with. And on the other hand, as long as broadcast revenues stay up, we're less affected by not having fans in the stands than most clubs because we just don't get that much money from match day revenues anyhow. So I think we sort of looked at the situation and said, you know, this is sort of a unique opportunity for us to um, to put ourselves out there and spend some money. And um, yeah, I think probably the expectation is still that next summer there will be somebody um, move for big money. But, you know, when you look at our roster now, we've got four or five players who could do that, as opposed to some years where, where it's like, well, if we don't sell this one guy, we don't have much money coming in. So I thought it was a really good ro- window for us, too. On the subject of Kubo, like, why do we think we signed him? Like, I, I, for me, I, I, was, I wasn't even... When it first happened, I wasn't really believing the rumours because it just seemed like one of those, you know, iffy websites that link us with with any like mini player that's up for grabs. But all this stuff about him kicking off in Real Madrid, personally, I find it quite insulting that Madrid think that he would have started with us anyway. That's quite insulting from Madrid's point of view. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I was confused by the signing because I don't think do we have anyone leave in a predominant position where he was actually. Because, like I said, I don't know enough about him really in terms of his positional play. Because he seems to be able to play wherever. But did we? I mean, was he a replacement for Santi? Was was that what we consider him to be replacing? I I think that if we look at the window, um, what it ended up being being is bringing in Kubo allowed us to let Ontiveros go out on loan. Um, which is fine as long as we're eventually going to play Kubo on the left. And I think we will. I think we almost have to uh, because Moy can't play out there on the left every single game all season. So I think what's eventually going to happen is Kubo's going to get those minutes uh, switching out for Moy Gomez over on the left. Uh, and that will allow Ontiveros to hopefully get regular minutes at Huesca uh, that he wouldn't have been able to get uh, otherwise, but you, you mentioned the thing with uh, Real Madrid and their reaction to Kubo's playing time, and I mean, to me, it's very typical. It's very typical of that those Real Madrids and Barcelonas to think that like the rest of La Liga is just there to kind of serve their existence. So um, I, I wasn't so much. I was somewhat put off by that, but not too much put off by that. But then I went and our sister site, Managing Madrid, had a really nice article. The guy who wrote it, Matt, knows his stuff about football really well. And he, he, he pointed out that one of De- uh, Kubo's issues for getting on the field is he doesn't contribute a lot defensively. And, and then you scroll down to the comment section, which you should never, ever do on the internet anyway. <laughs> and, and, and it really underlined to me how so many football fans are really just specialists of their own club and they don't really know what's going on in other clubs because the comments section interpreted that comment to say that Unai Emery is like playing these super conservative tactics and because Unai Emery is afraid to attack and he's playing these super conservative tactics that's why Kubo's not playing and it's like 
No, that's not it at all. Um, Emory's actually played a pretty open style of possession football. Um, Kubo just can't defend at all, and that puts Mario Gaspar in really bad situation. So it's it's more of like a – I'm sure we can talk about this later in terms of our overall formation and everything else, but it, it's more of a general football balance thing. But, of course, to Madrid fans who don't ever watch Real play, it's just, oh, you know, Unai Emery's scared to attack, so he won't play Kubo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the – I think – I don't know. I th- I really think that probably we thought that Kubo would be somebody who could. I think I think there were three real drivers of the deal, maybe, and, and perhaps number one was getting getting loan time for Ontiveros. But I actually don't think that was that important. I think that we probably thought that we could get. Um, that Kubo could play on the inside. So yeah, maybe be a bit of a Santi replacement to some degree. Um, I, I just think we thought that maybe we were going to have a, have a player move from up top. And as I say, I think probably Samu might've been the, the one that would have made more sense. But I think you're right that Unai Emery has said that he wants, he wants Kubo to be able to play more on, on different sides of the pitch. So I think we probably will see more on the left side. Um, you know, I don't really know how much of this stuff is coming from Real Madrid per se and how much of it is coming from the Madridista press. My sense is more the latter, but it is it is sort of ridiculous. And, and I think the, um, I don't know if all of you saw um, the La Liga, had a had a Twitter thing about you know who was your club's best signing and for Villarreal instead of showing somebody like Parejo or Estepinon they showed Kubo I'm like come on <laughs> you know I mean just because he's just because he's from Madrid doesn't mean that and, and he's only on loan for goodness sake I mean it it, it made no sense. So anyway, I'll be interested to hear Raul what, what you think on it because you, you've probably covered more of La Liga than well, definitely myself anyway, and maybe more than Zach and Alan on it. But what, what do you think about it? Well, yeah, I think um, Kubo is someone I was really excited about and still am. But for Real Madrid and their fans to start moaning after five games, saying "Oh, play Kubo, play Kubo," without really paying attention to where he'd fit in, is yeah, a bit annoying. But I would, yeah, I would like to see him on the left at some point because I think he offers more dynamism, kind of more flair than someone like Moy Gomez. But yeah, there is the issue of him being poor defensively. I would not play him on the right with Mario Gaspar at all. I think that would be a disaster, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mario has looked at his best when Gerard Moreno has been on the right instead of Chukwueze because he's helped out defensively a lot more and. In the match, last match against Atletico, those two on that right-hand side linked up really well. Mario had two shots on goal. Um, so, yeah, I definitely wouldn't play Kubo on the right. I wouldn't mind seeing if we go to 43-1 at some point, which may may not happen soon. wouldn't mind seeing Kubo as kind of a number 10. I feel like he's more creative than, yeah, uh, Moy. He offers, he's really quick. He offers that kind of, energy and I wouldn't mind seeing him getting more minutes but for now I think it's good to ease him in he's still really young as well and he's got experienced players ahead of him so it's not a disaster that he's not starting yet and I think Madrid fans need to just cool down a bit I think so too I, I pointed out that the um, the Europa League group stages are they're like two kind of groups of three and um, the last the last one is in December. So, you know, I suspect that when we look at this thing in January, um, which would really be the first time that if if a club wanted to break the loan or negotiate to break the loan on either side, that it would make sense to do it. Well, by that point, you know, we'll have been through the group stage of the Europa League. I, I'm sure Kubo will have gotten a lot more playing time. But frankly, you know, if, if anybody from Madrid has actually watched any of our matches, I mean, what you've seen is that when he played for Mallorca, he was the best um, player on the pitch, really. And 
he was given license to basically do his thing, whatever it was, because they were desperate for offense. And I think the problem for him in coming to a, a place like Villarreal, which which you know is certainly the next step in his development, but you saw against Atleti how you know you bring him onto the pitch and he tries to do things and loses the ball in positions that put us in danger defensively, and he's got to learn that he can't do that, and especially he needs to learn he can't do that because he's going. He we're already seeing where you know he's he's a he's a little. He's a little kid compared to a lot of the guys he's going up against, and he's just getting knocked off the ball pretty easily. So he really has to learn to take care of, make more intelligent choices, I think. And um, I think that's probably, you know, once, he's, once he starts showing he can do more of that, I think he will get more playing time. But until then, I don't think anybody should, having watched him, in the five matches so far, I don't think you can make a case that oh, this guy should be starting. Do we? Um, it's, it's it's interesting with it because everything that you've just described there for me, that's exactly how I view Samu. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I, like I, I have been cynical of Samu in the past because I, I find his defensive attitude appalling. I think he should do a lot more on that front. Um, but what I'd be interested to hear from you, like how would you compare Kubo and Samo? Is it, I mean, I know they're slightly different players. Don't get me wrong. Samo does those blitzing runs, and Kubo is a lot more technical and whizzy. But um, how would you say, in terms of attitude and in terms of play, is there a massive difference between Samo and Kubo, or not so much? Apart from age, obviously. Um, tell you what, who wants to go? I'll, I'll open it up. It's like an open forum. <laughs> mm. Um, I. I greatly prefer Samu to Kubo right now, um, and and mostly because it's one of those things that um, when you're dealing with technical players that don't have the whole offense built around, which is what both the situation that both these guys are in, um, Samu's speed. Um, and, and what he brings out wide just from his ability to blow by people and his ability to scare a fullback to death, you know, because of his ability to just run by people, um, brings something to the team offense that I don't think Kubo has. I mean, when Kubo doesn't have the ball specifically, he's kind of a passenger right now. Um, and he's not, and, and he's not scaring anybody with his threat to run in behind. So it, I, I don't particularly want either one of them playing with Mario Gaspar, but if you had to have one or the other, I'd rather have um, Samu running at people as opposed to Kubo, who, when he doesn't have the ball, is just kind of there. Okay. That's a fair point. Um, Alan, do you want to go? Well, I think, I think Zach is kind of is right. I'm Where I think Kubo eventually is going to is going to shine and I, and I don't mean eventually to sound so far off in the distance but you know Kubo is is an is a very creative player he's a, he's an ex I think he's I think he's got great skills I think he's an excellent passer um, but I don't see I kind of agree with Zach that if you're going to that, that Samu is a little more scary to play against at this point and there's and there's some value to that. What I worry about with Samu is that I have the sense that he's plateaued and isn't really developing that much more. I mean, you know, he kind of blew on. He sort of came on the scene very quickly. You know, it's like one minute he became eligible, the next minute he's he's scoring great goals for our B team in the playoffs, and the next year he's on the first team. And since then, he hasn't really, all of that he did with his basic speed and dynamism and, and quality, but he hasn't really developed it since. And I think that's the thing that concerns me about Samu, and that's kind of why I think in a normal year, we might have seen him leave this last summer. Yeah, I agree. I agree on Samu there. I feel like he came along really early. He was amazing at first. And he's still he's he's had a couple of good performances this season, but I feel like he's gone to his head a bit that he's now thinking he's made it, he's got nothing left to prove. 
And you can see that in his kind of defensive attitude, mm-hmm. um, as Robin said. Um, at the moment, right now, I prefer Gerard on the right, whilst um, Mario Gaspar's there, because they cover each other well. Um, Samu's a player I do like, and he has a lot of quality, especially cutting in on that left foot. He's very creative, and yeah, I agree with Zach for now, um, should have him over Kubo. I think Kubo needs to kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of um, think he's a young player, he has a lot to prove. He's come from a big club to try, to another decently sized club, to try and break into the team to get more minutes. And there's obviously a lot of attention on him being a Japan player from Real Madrid. He's going to get a lot of attention. So he kind of needs to work hard, get into the team in Europa League. Uh, Villarreal have got a pretty, I'd say, easy draw. Um, start kind of putting in solid performances in Europa and then, yeah, should hopefully get some league starts soon. But yeah, there's no need to rush him in now. And yeah, for now, I'd keep Chukwueze benched as well. Okay, well, let's... let's um take a break and when we come back let's talk about kind of our first five matches maybe quickly as a group but just sort of what has surprised people what are there any players who have really stuck out as surprising you thing things like that so we'll take a brief break and then we'll be back okay so um Rahul I'll start with you so we 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 kind of thought Emery would go to to something different than a four four two, which he didn't at first. But um, how do you view the first five matches? How do you uh, are we kind of where you expected we'd be at this point? Um, yeah, I'd say it's been a mixed start. Obviously, the first half of Barcelona was a complete disaster, and first half against Wesker, the first game, wasn't great at all. But there have been some promising signs. I thought the performance against Atletico was actually quite good. It was defensively solid. The passing out of the back looked better. The movement in midfield, it was it looked far more accomplished than a few of the other performances. And it's a good base to build upon. I like the 4-3-3 now. The 4-4-2 wasn't working at all, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but having Ibora in midfield, having Trigueros there, um, it's kind of given a more solid base to for the attacks to then build upon. And, yeah, I didn't see the Alaves game. I've seen the highlights, and there were some really good goals in that game. The first goal from Paco was a phenomenal finish. And I think there's a lot of potential in this team, which so far not we've not seen the full kind of full-flowing Villarreal yet. But you can see the signs are there. It's looking decent. It's looking like Emery's kind of building his... Um, he's planting his ideas into the team... And the team are responding quite well, and hopefully soon, there's hopefully soon there'll be more free flowing attacking performances. Right now, the chance creation isn't too great, especially against Atletico. But um, I think he wants to get the defence in order and then build, then start focusing on attack. But there's a lot of quality in the team, and these first five games. It could have gone better. I feel like the Huesca game could have definitely gone better. Um, results-wise, it's probably par for the course. It's still not too bad. So I'd say 7 out of 10 start to the season. Robin? Yeah, so it's... Um, for me, I'm not really sure, which is kind of very weird for me. I, For me, there's been quite a lot of change in formation, and I can understand Emery trying to work out his perfect... Formation. I, I don't like too much change early on. I prefer that we just stick with a one formation and accept that for what it is. Um, I said I, I like. I've always liked four four two, but like Rose said, it was quite disappointing, and that might be down to several reasons. I, I don't really know. Um, I like that we changed the formation a bit. I like the fact that Emery's adapted to different games. Um, obviously, the Barcelona game, he adapted, he changed formation again, which is fine because the Barcelona game was appalling in the first half. I think he's kind of accepted now that four four two doesn't really work, and I don't think that's anything necessary to do with Coquelin being being injured. I think it's just generally it's, it's not working necessarily for him. Uh, as, as we said earlier, I, I also like um, Gerard on the right. I prefer him in the centre because I 
I think he's a great player, and I, I do. I know. I know. We looked at this earlier, and there's a lot of dispute from comments about if if Gerard is better in the centre or on the right. I, I like him in the centre because, I, for me, he's a striker, and I think he should be there. If if Alcasa, for example, if Alcasa wasn't with VRL, then I would kind of insist on Gerard being in the centre. I, I would like as that's one of my disappointments about signing Kubo was I would have liked a more experienced right winger. And I think that right winger would have offered something more than possibly Samu or anyone would have done in protection. So Jared has been fantastically on that right wing and defense. And I've always been a massive fan of Jared and he was great last season when he was playing on the right wing. But I, I do think that it'd be better to have a right winger there that can, can do the job that he's supposed to do and let Jared do his thing. But I, I'm not in a massive I'm not massively upset to see Jared on the right or in the centre. I think it's sorry, I'm, I'm rabbiting um, as usual. In terms of players that have surprised me, and this is, as you know, I'm very much someone for the underdog. I would actually say Mario, Mario has surprised me. Not in the Barcelona game, that was appalling, definitely. And not probably the first game where basically Huesca, sorry, I'm always going to look, Huesca destroyed him on the right wing. But I think he's come back from the fact that he had two bad games. And last, last game, he was really, really good with Jared in front of him. I think, to be, to his credit in his own right, I thought Gerard is a good quality defender, and I think I'm in a minority on that. And I think he would be good if it had a right winger in front of him rather than Gerard. I, I think Gerard did a lot for him, but I think a winger could also offer the same as that. Does that kind of make sense? That's very off off the rail, um, but that's my kind of take on it. But yeah, uh, so who wants to go next? Oh, let's have Zach go next. I, I feel some statistics coming on. Um, I, I'm actually, I'm actually for once going to, to, to stay away from the statistics. Um, I know that you're all completely shocked by that, but um, I, I, I do think um, Rahul made a good point that in terms of results, it's kind of what we, you know, if you told us that we were going to be on this number of points after the first five games with trips to the Camp Nou and trips to. Uh, the Wanda, we said, okay, fine, you know, not great. We'd want, we'd want that win against Tuesca, but the overall points aren't looking bad. Um, I think that especially the week it happened, the way the result against Barcelona happened, like changed the perception of, of our team uh, more than it should have. Um, I mean, going to the Camp Nou and losing to Barcelona is just something that Villarreal has pretty much always done. So we shouldn't and, and I, I'm partially at fault for this because I was very optimistic going into that game, but we shouldn't have gone into that game thinking, I mean, it was going to go stupendously well. And if we lost one nothing or 2-1 or something like that, we would have come away with a completely different feeling. Um, I think we will see the 4-4-2 again, and I think we'll see it soon. Um, I think the problem with the 4-4-2 is fundamentally about Mario playing right back in the 4-4-2. Um, and it, because when he's in the four four two and he's got a Chiquese over top of him or a Kubo over top of him, um, he doesn't have one. He doesn't have that extra midfielder, you know, the, like a Bora to stand there and to, to help out on his side the way they've done in the four three three. Uh, and two, as we've discussed, he doesn't really have um, that that defensive support. Uh, but then the other thing that happens when Chiquese is above him in the 4-4-2, because Chiquese stays so much wider than Gerard does, Mario has nowhere to run into. So he can't be that offensive force he's been the last couple of games um, because uh, instead of dropping inside like Gerard does, Chiquese stays out wide and Mario has nowhere to go. So I think when we get Ruben Pena back, we're going to see some more 4-4-2. Uh, and that will be great because until Christmas, we're a little short on central mids if we want to keep running uh, three-man midfield. Uh, but I do love the three-man midfield I've seen so far. Um, as Robin and I discussed at length yesterday in a comments section, I think Ebora is um, does his job very well at the base of that midfield, even though he's not like the uh, – even though if he wanted to create a defensive midfielder in the lab, that's not what he is. Uh, I think the interplay between Parejo and those other two midfielders in the center of the park has been fantastic. And I think when we face tough opposition for the rest of this year, um, that's going to be the kind of system that Emery uses. Um, so to me, um, I'm fine with where we are in the table and where we are points-wise. Um, we really, really ought to win this derby when we get back. I and mean, there's really no excuses. We really ought to beat Valencia. We need to go ahead and do that. 
Um, but I'm very pleased with how the season started off. Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting, I know when Sid and I were talking about the season before it started, and we were saying, you know, you really need to look after 10 matches, which was, I think, after the second international break. Um, one of the reasons for that is because our first five five matches were, if you divide the if you divide the league up into say the top you know the Atleti, Barcelona, and um, and Real Madrid, so you put those three teams aside, and then you take the remainder and you say, okay, here's my bottom ten, and it's pretty easy to guess who those bottom 10 ought to be. You don't have to guess the order, but you put those aside. And then you've got six other clubs that I would say are our competition for, um, for Europe, for whatever. Well, Calleja's problem was against the bottom 10, we didn't do very well. The reason why we qualified for Europe last year was because we did very well against the teams that we were, that we were competing with. And so far this season, Emery has done well. We've had, had three games against the what I would say are bottom ten teams, and we have seven points out of nine. We haven't played anybody in our sort of in our group yet. You know, Valencia would be the would be the first club I would say, but we haven't played a Real Sociedad. We haven't played a Hatafe, um, anybody like or Betis, anybody like that. So that's partly why I'm having a hard time saying how we're doing is because I haven't seen us play against our closest competition, I think. Um, I'm also a little disappointed. I think Rahul said, said it pretty well that we're starting to see it coming, but we are as yet not creating as many chances um, as I would like to see, and somebody mentioned on the site, and I can't remember who, but it was a good point that, you know, we, right now our goals are all coming from Gerard and Paco. Um, we aren't, we aren't getting the um, goals from the attacking midfielders yet that we usually see. And, you know, I think if I were going to say two things to work on, that, that would probably, I think those two are related, that would probably be it. So overall, yeah, I'd, I'd say we're okay. I think it's not unfair to think that eight points out of the first five matches is kind of okay. It's not, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, but I think the I think the next five matches are gonna are gonna give us a lot more clues into how we're how we're going to be doing. Well, on the point of the midfield, I think that's an excellent point, and I, I definitely saw the debates. And I think it was Zach that said the, the Gerard and the and the um, Alcasa quote, if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah, no, I'd be interested to see what you what you all thought of the um, so Trigueros and the Pareco Parejo. I'm sorry, I'm saying a slightly false Spanish accent. Um, but what what do we think of those two as centre attacking midfielders or centre midfielders? I mean, I, I think they're I think they're great, and I think I, I always when Pereco first signed, I always kind of visualised that it would be Pereco and and Tregueros in a four four two formation. I was uh, I was surprised that Coquelin and Pereco started. But what what do you think of that centre midfield in a four? Well, assuming that we're going to go with four three three or uh, you know a three man midfield, what do you all think of that one? Um. I think what we've seen in a 4-3-3 so far is that Trigueros more or less hangs out towards the attacking end of things, and Ebora more or less hangs out towards the defensive end of things, and you see uh, and you see Parejo running between Ebora and Trigueros the whole game. Um, what concerns me, and I like that, I think it has a really nice balance to it, and I think it lets Parejo be uh, the center of everything we're doing. What would concern me if we saw Parejo and Trigueros playing in a, in a double pivot with no defensive midfielder behind them is does Trigueros do enough defensively um, to make that work or is Parejo just going to have to spend his whole match playing defense, not able to get forward and do anything in the build-up to create chances? Yeah, that's a good point. I think Trigueros, 
Trigueros works hard defensively. He's not a, I would say he, he works hard at it. He's not an, an especially accomplished defending midfielder, though, that would be my, my take on it. It's funny that, you know, the picture of it immediately comes into my mind's eye is of, is of him, you know, kind of chasing back and trying to stop somebody. And, and um, you know, he's, he's a, I, I've, always, I've liked Trigueros a lot. He's one of my favorite players. But I, I think that's a fair cr- concern that I, I don't know, but it's something that would work well for the two of them. I like to see them them give it a go in the four four two. That, that's why I like to see if it's one of those things that surprises us and we suddenly think it's okay. I, what I mean, I, I agree to the point that neither of them is defensive, and, and you all know my opinion on on the CDM, CDM role is I want it more defensive, mm-hmm. a lot more. I, I think in the past for Valencia, Pareco has played that role. Obviously, not to what I what I imagine. So not like. When I talk about Makaleli, it's not that kind of dy- dy- dynamic running around, sprinting around, just tackling and then playing it off short. It's that more Fabregas sort of standing at the back. The more Bruno, well, not he's not like Bruno, is he? He's not a defensive midfielder attacking, but that playmaker can stay at the back in a pivot and play it over the top in long passes. So I don't know if that's that, but I think Pareko is a decent enough defender to the point where mm-hmm. he could. He could relatively keep in that role throughout the game and let Trigueros go forward and they just kind of switch. Like I said, I don't know how good it would be, but I would like to see it at least once and just see how it will work. Um, but yeah, sorry, I, I cut off. So, in turn, Raul, what, what do you think just generally of the Trigueros Parejo partnership in either formation, any formation? I'm really liking it at the moment in the 4-3-3. And I was especially impressed again against Atletico. I thought they passed it. They, they were bypassing Atletico's midfield a fair bit. They, they were really good at linking up together. But, yeah, I don't think they would work together in a pivot. I think Ibora is crucial to allowing them to kind of roam further forward to get more creative. I don't think there's enough kind of... There's enough legs in there to for them to be a pivot. I think it might get carved open too easily. But, yeah, as a 4-3-3... I'm a big fan of both starting. I really, really like Trigueros. He's been one of my favourite Villarreal players the last few years. Um, so we shall see when Coquelin comes back as well, how he'll fit in. Because mm-hmm. obviously Coquelin and Parejo both played together in a pivot at Valencia and it worked very well there. But so far in the 4-4-2, it didn't really. Parejo got bypassed for Huesca's goal in the opening game. Um, and Coquelin was all over the place against Barcelona. But yeah, we shall see. It depends what we think the formation will be going forward. But for now, I'm absolutely happy with the midfield three or Vibora kind of sitting and Trigueros and Parejo going a bit further forward. But mm-hmm. yeah, the passing ability of those two in the middle, Trigueros and um, Parejo, is what I really, really love. They're both very, very good passers. They can ping it all over the pitch. Um so, yeah, I'm no complaints about those two. That's good. So we've got four all in agreement on the fact that we all like those those three in midfield. And, yeah, I, I know I've, I've criticised the fact that Ibora is not a centre defensive midfielder. But in terms of the, the midfield, I, I think he's a quality CM. So it's kind of like you've got three really good players in there. If Ibora is playing the more defensive role, then, then so be it. I I don't think he's massively better than Coquelin in that position. I, I don't know. I as I said, I don't know Coughlin and I don't really know Bora enough in that defensive role. If, if for example, we got a defensive midfielder that was better than both of those two there, then maybe that'd make a difference. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to hear that we all kind of agree with that formation. I, I suppose we assume that all that we all like the four-three-three as the as the best formation. Is that kind of what we think, uh, Alan? What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm yeah, I sort of feel as though we I think we'll see, as we said before the start of the season, one of the things about Emery is he loves to change formations, loves to change his approach, depending on who the um, on who the opposition is. And I think we'll see more of that as he becomes more comfortable with his players. Um, I mean, don't forget Estepinian arrived fairly recently uh one five hasn't even arrived yet right i mean he's he's signed for us but he's 
in Argentina for the national team. So, you know, there's, there's going to be a bunch of stuff that gets, that gets worked out over the course of the season yet. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I've always liked, I'm probably in the minority here because I've always liked Gerard on the right. I'm I, somehow, I just associate him there. He tends to drift to the right when he's playing in the middle anyway. So that part of the four, three, three doesn't bother me. Um, I think the, I think the uh, question I have is just what we need to do to get more chances. Um, but you know, I think overall I'm happy with the four, three, three. I think it's. I don't think we should expect to see a an eleven that's very consistent, though. I think. I mean, with some exceptions, but I think we'll. We may even see, you know, we'll even see matches where Paco gets rested and Gerard goes up top or something like that, even in the 4-3-3. I just, I think that um, it's a bit of getting used to for a Virial fan not to be in a 4-4-2, but I can, I can do that. <laughs> I'm trainable. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Um, I think, and first of all, I agree with you, Alan, about Gerard. I think that he is... It's, it, it can be shown that he is more involved in the match when we're, when he's on the right uh, than he is when he's up top. And, uh, and frankly, um, I think he's our best player. And so I, I think he should be involved as much as possible. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, and Kokolon's still got a lot to show, but... I, what we've seen so far is that Ebora is more responsible with his positioning. Um, he does not go wildly running forward trying to gain the ball back or trying to, you know, it, it, he'll come forward in the attack, but he always does so responsibly. Uh, he doesn't get caught out, and Copeland has so far. Um, and the other thing is when Ebora's been on the pitch so far this year, um, it's taken pressure – off of Parejo in possession because instead of one midfielder having to, you know, handle 95 passes and the other one handle 45, you've had a couple of guys handling around 70 passes each. And, you know, that sheer passing volume by itself, you know, is fairly neutral. But when what that does is it means that when the other team is pressing us, they can't just focus on Parejo. They have to actually We've got another person that doesn't turn the ball over very much, um, who is who is handling um, who is handling the the load offensively, uh, or, or I guess in possession. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. I should point out that because um, Alan's mentioned a couple times um, our shot attempts, and um, I was just scrolling through it. So we're like thirteenth right now in the league in terms of. Um, in terms of shot attempts um, per match, but the Atleti match and the Barcelona match are really dragging down that average. Mm. Um, and Atletico is probably one of the best defensive teams in the league. And Barcelona, we just got overrun. So I mean, if you look at our other our other three matches, um, we've had um, our, our average number of shots in those other three matches has been around that 12 to 13 shots a game, which is where it needs to be, which is where it's a little below where it was for most of last year. We were at 14 shots a game for most of the year last year. But when you look at the teams that haven't been in the big three that we've faced so far this season, on average, we've been generating the amount of chances that we would expect to generate. So I'm not too worried about chance creation. Okay. All right. I mean, it's a small sample size regardless, so <laughs> whether we're talking three or five, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, any last thoughts from anybody? Rahul? Um, yeah, I, I just agree that um, it's a small sample size. So, yeah, well, against Atletico, defensively it was there, shape-wise it was there, but then not much going on up front. Paco couldn't really get involved in the game. But Gerard was the best player on the pitch by a mile. And I've been pulled off. I keep every game, I keep saying, oh, Gerard really impressed me. He's my man of the match. And I think that is because he's just been brilliant so far this season. He is 
I agree with Zach, he's our best player. Um, and I don't mind seeing him on the right because it means he gets involved in the game a lot and he helps out defensively. It might kind of contribute to him not getting as many goals, but even in the Alaves game, he had a couple chances despite playing on the right and he linked up well with Mario. So I wouldn't mind seeing him on the right. And yeah, for now, it's early days, but so far it's promising, but there are areas for improvement is the thing mm-hmm. I'll, main thing I'd say. And another bold prediction of mine is that I reckon at some point this season we will see Juan Foyth in midfield. Um, Attributes-wise, he's really, really good on the ball. And as a defensive infielder, don't be surprised to see him at a base of a 4-3-3 at some point. Okay. <laughs> nice. Controversial, but nice. No, to be fair, he's, he's a right-back, centre-back, and a, an Argentine, so he's pretty much got like the capabilities to be an attacking centre, well, centre-defensive mid, but attacking. I, I think it's good, though. I'm, I'm really glad you brought him up, because I don't think we've actually talked about him. Have we got time to talk about him, Alan? Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe a couple of minutes real quick. Yeah, I was I realising like we hadn't talked about him either. Because he is like kind of your, well, you've got a centre-back, Alan, so I think... <laughs> Yes, I do. Should give you this moment to kind of well, be happy about it in a way. Um, yeah, tell you what. How about you start us off with with one boy? What do you think? I think it's best coming from you. Well, I think I think it's it's certainly a um, a signing that I was happy to see. I mean, I think there were. I think it's good that we went for somebody young and um, promising rather than the 38-year-old veteran for a couple of million euros, I guess, um, which was where we thought we were going to be earlier in the summer. Um, you know, I have to confess I haven't seen him play that much with Tottenham. Of course, Mourinho hasn't played him much with Tottenham. But um, I think, yeah, the fact that he's kind of that Argentine um, defender who's good on the ball and um, young, I think, you know, looks looks very promising. So, and, and the fact that he can play on the right for sure, I think, is a, is a is a good thing. Uh, I think that I think it's just so hard because I think he's only had like eighteen appearances for Tottenham in the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. So all, all we know is that he's talented enough that his national team rates him, um, and that. He, you know, he clearly had had potential that Tottenham really liked. But we really don't know what he is yet. Um, so I, I'm trying to withhold judgment until I have a bigger sample size to deal with, until I've seen him play more. Mm-hmm. Um, my my last thought as we sign off is I just I I think because of the way that he just seems to pop up, you know, out of nowhere and score goals uh, that that. Uh, Paco's been a little undermentioned so far this year, and I think he's off to a really good start this season. He's on pace to score like 20 goals, I think. Um, and, I, you know, I think if we keep getting him shots, he'll keep scoring goals because he's just one of the best finishers around. So I'm really pleased with what I've seen him so far. Yeah, okay. That's, that's fair. All right, so everybody gets um, 10 seconds to tell me your most impressive player so far and where you think we're going to finish in the league. Okay. So I'm going to start with Rahul because I know he's going to say Gerard. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Gerard, hundred percent. And um, I'd say fifth for now. For, um, I think Seville just look really, really strong that I don't think we'll finish above them to get Champions League sport. But I think fifth would be a pretty good season. I'd like to see us get a good run in Europa as well. All right. Robin? I'm going to say this just to mess with Zach. I'm going to say Ibora. Um I thought he was <laughs> really... No, sorry, I'm just messing. Um, I don't know. I'd say Gerard as well, to be honest with you. I completely agree. I think he, he's a he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, he's going to be our best best player by far. And I think if I had to come up with a backup option, I would say Asenko. Because I think... I know he's had a rusty start, but he, he's always been our best best goalkeeper, the most reliable player. Um, and I, I really, really like him. So I'm going to say Asenko at the end of the season. Uh, and to finish it off, I would say maybe fourth. I'll, I'll go with fourth. I'm happy. I'll be optimistic. That's good with me. Uh, over to you. Okay, Zach. 
Uh, outside of Gerard, who I think is far and away our best player, I think Estupinion has been the player who's impressed me the most. Um, and I, I think we have better goal scorers than Sevilla, and so I think Sevilla is going to end up with a lot of draws, and I think we're going to get fourth place. Okay. Um, and I guess I would say, yeah, I think Gerard is certainly our best player. I would say the guy, um, I think the, the two players who have impressed me, um, I think probably Estepinion, and I've also been impressed with Moy. I, I just, I just think he's 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 one of those kind of in between the cracks players who who does a really great job for you, and I, I really enjoyed watching him play so far. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fifth um, or possibly even sixth, and I think the reason is it may depend on how we how we do in Europa League. I think if we do really well and get into the knockout rounds and start focusing on that, we may um, end up realizing that we're not going to get to Champions League this year by um, finishing fourth, so we might as well try to win the Europa League. So I'm going to say I'm going to say sixth, just to be on the conservative side. Um, but I think we're I think we're all pretty happy with how things have started out. Alan, you you on the conservative side? That is surprising. It is surprising. <laughs> well, you know, we we you know that, that doesn't happen I'm often. Like, so. Only messing with you. I completely agree. I, I think I think Moy is a good good shout as well. Actually, to credit credit where credit's due, he has done a brilliant job. And I I would never have described him. I would never have thought he would end up like he was when we first saw him on the scene. But sorry, I'm, I'm crossing over you. I'll go back to you. No, no, no. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. So um, yeah, I think I think uh, somewhere I'd love it if we can finish fourth. Obviously, and qualify for Champions League. But I'd be happy if we qualify for Champions League by winning the Europa League too. So, and that's not a conservative prediction, right? So um, anyway, this is this is Alan for our roundtable. Um, Zach, Robin, and Rahul. Um, everybody, we all we were saying before we started, we all hate international breaks because there's no football that really matters. So um, enjoy this, and we'll talk to you next week and preview the Valencia match, which should always be fun. So until then, for all of the guys here and the Van Vierreal. Okay. <laughs>